OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the supporters fund, Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pavan. And today, we'd like to welcome Sasha. Welcome to, to our show. Thank you very much for, for having me today. Well, I can say we're very excited to, uh, to dive in and, and learn more about yourself and, and have uh, this great conversation. And after um, our conversation and having uh, a bunch of research and going through a lot of stuff, I'm going to say that I think you were actually born work with startups and invest through your career everything you've done just seems to really work around the early stage startup scene so it's amazing that we get to dive into all this yeah so, thank you very much um yeah maybe i can start uh I, I i was not born into the startup scene because uh, uh when i was studying uh, in hamburg uh, in the 90s i wanted to become a journalist so i studied political sciences and journalism. And um, so um, I, I even started to work uh, in the radio and then uh, TV, uh, basically news. And, um, <clears throat> but then I, I found that, uh, yeah, journalism at the end is talking about what other people do uh, all the time, which is interesting. You get to know people, very interesting people who do uh, interesting stuff. But um, after a while, I, I thought I'd rather do the interesting stuff myself and that other people talk about me. That was my, let's say, my, 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 my dream at the end. And um, I had the, yeah, maybe the, the, the great uh, chance, opportunity at one time uh, to start working in a, uh, in a business consultancy that was working around media. So it was uh, a Swedish consultancy um, when all the internet started and they helped basically editorials and, um, and all, all kinds of media companies to digitalize. Um, this sounds uh, like very strange now, but uh, back then it was like uh, 87, uh, 97, 98. Um, all the media companies and Hamburg was a media capital in Germany. Uh, they they were under pressure. They needed to basically uh, back then it was you said uh, they had to go on the internet or they had to convert their business into or, or, or part of their business. Uh, they had to be connected to the internet. So today we would say they had to digitalize their business model. Um, and um, <clears throat> so that was the connection between my journalism and, uh, and business. And I started, uh, back then was called media consultant. And then I was uh, at the end business consultant. And I saw a lot of interesting companies. Like we worked, for example, for Bertelsmann, which is one of the biggest media companies in the world. And um, <clears throat> uh, we worked, uh, we, on the one hand, we tried to, uh, to find ways to offer their content, their content, uh, uh, their print titles uh, on, on the internet with different services around, which is now common sense. But back then, basically, um, we had to think about what else has, uh, do we have to offer as added value? 
um, around the content because it was not just around uh, just uh, yeah putting the same content you had in the print magazine on the internet but uh, yeah that's where we develop for example for all the business titles we developed interactive uh, added value like portfolios uh, you can you could uh, watch and stuff like that um <clears throat> i also was involved in um uh, the uh, intent of Bertelsmann to build up uh, an Amazon competitor. Yeah, Bertelsmann back then was, was much bigger than, uh, uh, than Amazon and uh, they built up something that was called BOL, Bertelsmann Online, where this, because it, you have to know that Bertelsmann had a big uh, a branch of book selling. So they, they were, they're still one of the biggest editorials in the world. Um, and so they thought we are the right uh, company to sell books. Um, we we have to do it much better than than Amazon because we're, we we have uh, yeah we have invented all this. They have invented, for example, the book book clubs. Yeah, that uh, there's book clubs all over the world uh, whether you subscribe. And um, and there I found out for the first time uh, why uh, big corporates have a problem in innovation. And why companies like Amazon can basically uh, move much faster and uh, and create much more innovation in a short time than this uh, huge uh, yeah multinational company Bertelsmann, <clears throat> and uh, from their failure on from the failure of our project where I was involved in <laughs> yeah I, I I had my first uh, big learnings that how how innovation should should work and that um, let's say big organizations and um, and these these processes that they were working with are not suitable for innovation. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> but uh, my story then uh, uh, went on because everybody back then in that time in the uh, end of the nineties in my uh, uh, surrounding, what they were dreaming of building up a startup. That was the big first, um, let's say, wave of founders in Germany, um, where people like uh, the founders of uh, of Zalando, for example, and uh, Rocket Internet, they uh, founded their first company. And one of their stories was they built up a company, um, <clears throat> uh, an eBay clone, and sold it after four months to eBay for... Uh, I can't even remember, but it was millions. Uh, big sum, uh, let's say 10 million, nothing uh, to live forever, but that was like um, one of the stories that, that were told and everybody thought uh, we want to build up a startup, we want to be startup entrepreneurs. So two um, uh, colleagues of mine, they, <clears throat> they started a company um, that was yeah, it was like a, an online lottery company connecting with the state lotteries, a reseller of state lottery in Germany. There was no um, no such thing. Uh, lottery was a, is is still one of the uh, yeah most um, yeah it, it's it's a very analog business. It's state owned, so it's very slow. And they thought we just built up a reseller. We've learned this from a project that we've done together. Uh, for the uh, Swedish state lottery. And Sweden back then, and still is, 
uh, was always ahead of us uh, in, in digitalization and uh, yeah, let's say uh, um, technology also. Um, so uh, they learned from, from this project and built up a company. I was still too happy in my business consultancy. I was really happy with my work and uh, I thought this is the best workplace ever. Um, with a great um, <clears throat> uh, office, it was the, the in in Germany we were like the kings because we were the people who knew about internet and uh, uh, we flew business class all around Europe and I I was young and I thought I'm I'm like uh, yeah uh, I'm so lucky uh, to be here so uh, I didn't quite understand why they would. Uh, leave all this and build up their own company. But after one year, uh, they approached me and said, yeah, why don't you come work with us? And I was thinking about it. And, um, and back then I wanted to go to, the, to abroad. Uh, I wanted to work abroad. That was one of my uh, objectives to, uh, yeah, to work somewhere else. Uh, and one of the possibilities I had was Spain because uh, I knew some Spanish. And um, so I thought about what can I do to, yeah, to really uh, uh, add something interesting to their business. And uh, so I, I was looking at the Spanish market uh, regarding uh, the state lottery and the regulation. And I thought it was a good market to build up a branch of their company. So we negotiated and uh, I got a very, very small share of their company, uh, but uh, still I was feeling like an entrepreneur and built up uh, a branch in Spain, which was uh, an, a big adventure for me. I, uh, I didn't have a clue about how building up a company. I was just uh, yeah, uh, jumping into the cold water, as they say in, uh, in Germany. So, um, and uh, it was big fun. And uh, I started in 2001. And uh, when, when I already had some, some ideas how to start and uh, we negotiated a budget to build up the branch, um, the Twin Towers uh, were attacked. And um, so basically everybody was very much afraid of what could happen <laughs> in the next years. The mm, German, uh, yet the new economy, how they called it in Germany, was uh, in a big uh, crisis, uh, stock prices fell down. And um, so basically the, 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 uh, the consequences of that was that I was in Spain, had a little office shared uh, in the basement and uh, didn't have any budget. Uh, I had uh, my salary, but nothing else. So, and they said, yeah, you can stay there for a while. We will go on paying your salary, but you have to find your own way, okay? Which is, uh, yeah, which was kind of uh, frustrating, but it helped me to learn something that later on became uh, more or less mainstream, the lean startup approach. So, because I was, I was there, we had plans to build up a big platform because in, in lottery, every market is different. There's different products, different regulations. So basically I had to build up a new platform. That was my idea, yeah? And spend 
around half a million euros just to, for the first setup of the platform because I thought I need all the products to be um, really be able to, uh, to approach the market and say I'm an online lottery platform. So I needed all the lotteries and all the uh, services. And uh, it, of course, it had to be perfect uh, to start with. But uh, when, when they cut my budget, I, I was kind of bored. I started, uh, at first I waited and then I thought, let's do something. And um, I had a great team because I basically hired those people that dropped off out uh, the, all the new economy companies here in Spain because I was in the middle of a crisis. Everybody shut down. Um, and I was sharing office with a German company um, that was basically reducing stuff uh, to a minimum and later on closed down. And I took the best people of these, this team and then we sat together and said, let's do something on our own uh, with low budget. Um, what we did is we used existing software, which is now nowadays uh, basically the, uh, the way to go. There's so much uh, software as a service around, but back then there wasn't. Uh, what we had was uh, Excel Access, which was uh, a database uh, for Microsoft. And yeah, what we did was basically build an HTML facade um, in front and in the back end we had excels and and access and uh, manual work and we started with one simple product which was a subscription to uh, the basic lottery here in spain yeah um, and it was really really successful so uh, as a subscription because it was impossible for us to do a real real time business so you buy it today and then tonight you take part in the lottery so the subscription was you bought your subscription today and you started next week and that was something we could handle in the back end uh, manually and um, <clears throat> so we we learned a lot about the customer we learned a lot about marketing um, and we generated cash which uh, helped us to to then build uh, step-by-step uh, step, a platform. That was uh, the greatest learning I've ever had as an entrepreneur uh, because I, I understood that if I've had the money that was promised, I probably would have failed for sure because uh, uh, all the years afterwards and uh, I, I saw so many people with this idea, we, we have to build up uh, first a, a huge product and then we go uh, and, and talk to the market. And um, yeah, and I, I saw myself, yeah, I, I, I saw uh, a lot of companies, successful companies who started like this as well. And then, uh, yeah, basically it became mainstream with the books, uh, Eric Ries and um, Rice and, um, and all the others. And um, so I was, this was my, uh, let's say my, my basic learning as a, uh, as still as a manager, because I had a small share of the company. And then I had to learn another uh, very difficult lesson because uh, the company in Germany, they, uh, they did an IPO. Basically, they realized all their dreams. They uh, built up a company in 2000, uh, went public in 2004, and had 
both of my colleagues then had 30 million in cash in their bank account and another 60 million in shares. So, um, and I had, I think, 0.1%, uh, which uh, they bought from me before the IPO, saying that they had to clear all the uh, cap table. Back then, it was money for me, it was interesting money for me. And I had a big, I had a good salary and I had a good um, yeah, bonus and stuff. And I was happy. But um, I didn't really negotiate hard enough, uh, believing that this company has a great future. Uh, in fact, the company still exists. It's now called Zeal Ventures, and it's the world market leader for lo online lottery, digital lottery um, <clears throat> products in, in the world, and they're investing in new, uh, in new types of products around lottery. <clears throat> so, it's still a very common, um, common thing that occurs when uh, companies are going IPO or um founders are being bought and, and it is it's a tough learning but it's actually a, a great learning that you have that because now you can while working with these companies you can kind of give them the gauge of you're going to be faced with these things and this is going to happen and i think that's pretty valuable and, and i can uh, obviously on the same side of it speak from the same kind of experience and it's interesting that um you feel that this is the right way and you're like you're right i should do this but at the time it's the it's the lack of knowledge and you know it's the same thing when you're signing a contract with um for a new employment job or a new partnership and you say oh, i don't need to go to the lawyer on this and you'll just kind of scoot through it so it, it, you kind of got the different type of learning but at the same time if you learn this in school that said, hey, don't ever sign a contract and make sure that you always go to a lawyer. It's going to cost you money now, but it's going to benefit you later. Maybe that would probably help all of us, but we tend to learn on the fly and, and sometimes it, it does become a, a tougher learn. But I guess um, as you were going through this lean startup phase, which uh, I think is the most valuable experience anybody could have, and, and it sounds like you, you really pulled your way through this, is it kind of goes to the way startups work today, right? Which is you really need to um, get in there, roll your sleeves up, learn all the jobs, learn all the roles in the business, be really lean because as you start to grow, you become further and further away from what you first started. And that learning is what's going to allow you to keep steering the ship. And if you don't take that learning, then you have a high chance of failure because you never really spent time learning what it took to build that company from the ground up. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, of course, it's good to... Uh, on the one hand, the uh, lesson is you have to think about contracts and lawyers. On the other side, I, I was a very bad negotiator at that time. Yeah, because I was so I, I felt so happy with what I had. Yeah. I, I just uh, didn't really think about uh, what my 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 what what kind of value I, I I created because back that time, for example, the company uh, was active in Germany and in Spain. So you can imagine in the IPO story how much, uh, uh, how, how, how valuable was the, the fact that they, uh, they were able to, to basically scale up the business and, uh, and, 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 be, and, and start it in another jurisdiction and, and market. So I, I don't know, but I, I, would all, I always think it's at least a third of the of the uh, of the IPO valuation uh, might might have been might have come from from this fact and that, that's something I created. So, um, but that's um, at, on the other hand, another learning. <laughs> just like 
let's let's pass. Uh, don't think about it too much and and go ahead and think about how you can uh, do something uh, better in the future. So then um, I after the IPO, I thought uh, it's time to go, and I also thought um, it's time for me to to start up something myself, uh, all alone. And um, so uh, I, <clears throat> I I I found a, a partner who um, or he, he was working in the company as well, and he was also very keen on on, on starting up. And and we found that we are quite um, complementary, yeah, because uh, <clears throat> he had uh, a like a a very tough. Uh, uh, um, time in, in in the UK, he, he was working for Marks and Spencer. And he had a great, uh, they had a great uh, managing uh, training program. So we, he was uh, like you know like a real uh, manager uh, training program where they've learned negotiation, where they've learned, uh, for example, turning around of companies. And so he was like a, a very well trained manager, and I was like. Mm, I mean, I, I, I was a do-it-yourself uh, startup guy, maybe creative, maybe uh, I knew uh, quite a lot about uh, yeah, strategies, uh, digital strategies and stuff like that, but I never had a manager training. Yeah? So um, that was, and, and he was Spanish, okay? So he, he was trained in the UK, but he was Spanish. So uh, he also knew how, the Spanish businessmen uh, uh, work and uh, how they how they think, and so that was quite a good complementary uh, team. On and then we thought, uh, let's try, and uh, we built up a company that was working in the same space, uh, lotteries, but completely B two B. We didn't want to do. Uh, we didn't want to build up a, a competition of my other company, even though I didn't have a non compete like a clear non-compete and um, but it was a b2b so we wanted to do business to government first uh, basically selling to the state lotteries our technology and our knowledge marketing and digitalization of the state lotteries and um, learning that this is a too long of a sales cycle we started uh, offering it also to private companies and uh, so we built uh, lottery channels for Telefonica, which is uh, the biggest yeah, telecommunications company, one of the biggest in Europe. Uh, we built for a, a lottery channel for El Corte Inglés, which is like the Marks and Spencer or like big department stores here in Spain. Um, and for El País, uh, El Mundo, uh, the media type, biggest media titles here and print uh, media. And uh, it worked really well. Um, then at the end, we started, we, we ended up licensing a big brand, lottery brand here, um, which is the Golden Witch in Spanish, La Bruja de Oro. And there, uh, we, it, it really uh, skyrocketed our, uh, our sales. And we reached, in our best times, uh, sales of 100 million euros. Um, it's it's a small margin business, but we uh, adding value to uh, to all the purchase of lotteries like subscriptions or syndicates and stuff like that. We managed to get twenty percent margin of that, and uh, so it was a 
a, a great, uh, great business. We, we earned really well, um, but we had a problem. That's another learning I had because we, we, at the beginning, we got in a strategic investor from Germany um, who basically, they, uh, they gave us 2 million in cash and 1 million in, uh, in kind, which is was their technological platform. So we had a kickstart uh, to the market. Um, they also were working uh, business to government um, and also business to business. So it was a perfect fit. And um, so we thought, uh, how do we, and they took a majority share of our company because uh, we, we had a PowerPoint and uh, so uh, they gave us two, two million cash, two million, one million kind. So th there was no way to say uh, you get a 20% or something like that. So they got a majority. But we thought we were so clever uh, that uh, we maintained basically control of the company. Um, and we had, uh, we thought, how can we make liquid or 30, 36% or something like that that we have in the company? <clears throat> and we negotiated a very clever uh, exchange because they were uh, stock listed in Germany. And we thought, uh, at one time, after two years, we can exchange our shares that are not liquid into liquid shares on the stock exchange. And um, <clears throat> so we developed uh, a way to, uh, to calculate uh, our value based on their value in the stock exchange. So we said um, uh, turnover, uh, there was like three parameters, turnover, uh, uh, EBIT, and profit or something like that yeah margin and profit i don't i don't really the turnover mar, uh, gross margin and profit yeah so and uh, so we put together uh, both sides and then we would know how much uh, our company is worth in spain um, and uh, we would exchange into their shares which uh, that, that we could then sell on the stock exchange but um, what we didn't have in mind is what happens if they, their performance is really bad and ours is really good, that what was happening. So they even had a negative result. When, uh, when we started to, when basically the, the, the phase, we, we, after two years, when we started the vesting time, when we could exchange, um, they had a negative result and they were underperforming. So on the one hand, their, uh, their value on the stock exchange was very low not very appealing for us to exchange. And on the other hand, if you have a negative uh, parameter, how do you get this together? Yeah. So you have 10 turnover, five EBIT and minus three. And how does this work together? And so we started to argue with them. Yeah. And uh, so we started to have a, a worse relationship and uh, over the years because it, it didn't really uh, uh, get better. And we didn't know how to, we were trapped. Yeah? So we had a great company doing quite a good business and a lot of people were interested, but we couldn't sell. Yeah? And uh, because nobody would buy our 36%. Um, and, uh, and, and we couldn't uh, basically execute our, our clause in, in the contract. And uh, so it took us four years to, argue and uh, 
think about what we do. And then at the end, we bought their shares back. Right? Because they were so, at one point, they were so uh, in need of uh, cash that we took the chance, took uh, some, um, some loans and bought their shares back. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> and then we- yeah, That's uh, a good thing, right? Huh? I think that works out quite well that, you know, in time uh, when things are going the wrong way, you guys were analyzing it and, and probably obviously hitting walls and trying to understand what you're out and how do you, get, how do you move out? And the, the real thing was, how do I take back my business? And it sounds yeah. like you took the, the right approach and, and stepping into the business and finding a way to uh, remove the call it the bad and, and bring in more of the good. So it, it sounds like, again, more challenges. But what I love about all the things that you've been sharing through your your journey in business is that all of these are so relatable to startups today. And it's not something that just happened because it was in the early 2000s and uh, you'll never see this again. But a lot of these occur quite often and quite frequently in startups today, which is anybody that's building a company, uh, they're going to go through these types of maneuvers that are happening. They're going to have business partners. And you brought up a lot of uh, great things, even with uh, the one part you brought up about your business partner, your initial business partner, um, and how you had very complementary skills. And what I like about that is that you, you're, you're already going into it looking at, you know, how do I find somebody that has skills that I don't so that we're more effective and we can benefit the growth. And I think that's a very valuable point because a lot of startups, uh, when they get into partnerships, a, a lot of them do fall apart. And sometimes they forget that you need to look at those little uh, little pieces of, of partnerships and, and uh, relationships because they're going to make a big difference when you're growing a company. And, and it sounds like you did that and you put together a, a great partnership with someone that uh, you trusted and you guys found a, a way to leverage the business going forward. So uh, lots of great pieces of uh, advice that you're sharing. So this is great. Yeah, that's uh, basically one, one, all these things um, and now help me a lot when I work with startups um, because, yeah, there's always, for example, the question, shall I take in a, a strategic investor um, or just a financial investor? Both have pros and cons. And of course, it depends a lot on, um, on your position when you're negotiating, depends a lot on, uh, on where you want to go. But um, at that time, I thought uh, we are in a very regulated uh, environment. And uh, we, at, at that time, it was not so easy to find uh, uh, software pieces, uh, software as a service and uh, platforms you can use. So we had to build up things from scratch. And for me, it was a, a quick start to use a, an existing platform um, that a strategic investor brings in. But yeah, um, you, you always have to, it, it, it's, it's not a, a clear binary thing. Um, and uh, the other thing is, yeah, how do you negotiate with uh, those people that uh, you, yeah, that, that bring things in kind and, uh, you know, how do you make liquid your, uh, your shares? That's always a problem. Um, for me as a business angel, it's very difficult to, <clears throat> yeah, to take care of that at one point I can, I can sell because uh, as a business angel, you enter into uh, a business and typically when you do investment rounds, everybody wants you to stay. Yeah. You uh, typically bring in your reputation. You say, this is a great company. 
And then you can't say uh, before they, they send their money and ah, uh, by, by the way, I'm leaving, you know? Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah. That's, but, um, just, because that's something that isn't very common at all. And I think there's been many people that have tried to figure out how to tackle that. that uh, concern is that as your business is growing, um, a lot of investors who said, you know, I took you from a pre-seed to a series A, um, can you exit me out now so I can keep doing this? So your your commerce or your uh, equities are tied up until that company goes public or is bought or sold. So you're right, that, that is there for a long time. And, it, and I think that a, a lot of the early stage investors would look at, you know, would somebody be interested to take me out? Is there a secondary market that would be interesting um, in these shares? So there, there probably is a solution out there somewhere. It, it has been quite tough, but I'm, I'm assuming with NFTs and all of these uh, blo blockchain and everything else that's going on in the world, there's probably a way to be more liquid in the future on how you can start selling your shares at a Series A or a Series B and, and trying to move out. And secondary markets do help, but uh, I, I think there is options that are coming out. So now just to kind of um, uh, move uh, what you've been doing into the today and, and all the great things that you're part of uh, so many amazing groups and I'm not sure how you have time to uh, how you have time to rest with uh, uh, the non-for-profits working for the schools and you're, you're spending a lot of time and, and I'll call it the giving backstage um, helping educate entrepreneurs so that they can overcome a lot of what you've gone through and, and maybe not just what you've gone through, but things that you see in the market and, and being able to go through these hurdles. Um, maybe we can share just a, a quick um, summary of, you know, with BNC 10 and um, the, the, the networks that you're building. Um, I, I think it would be great to learn a little bit about that for sure. If you could share a little bit on that. Okay. So on the one hand, uh, after, uh, I made some money. Uh, it, I I started to invest in startups uh, in a way which back then we called venture builder together with my partner because we had uh, a lot of access to to uh, bank loans because we had great uh, relationship to all the banks in Spain and um, so we thought we have financing we have knowledge and uh, so we helped uh, build up startups in a venture builder. Uh, model where we had a big office and we took the entrepreneurs uh, into our office uh, and um, and helped them with marketing, with financing, and even with technology, so that they could focus on their uh, on their business and their product. This was great. Uh, I learned a lot, but it's something that is not very scalable and it has a lot of uh, downsides. Uh, uh, the advantage is you can use the cash uh, because we built up a structure where we were majority shareholders in all the companies and uh, we used the cash uh, from here to there. But uh, when something goes wrong in one company, then uh, yeah, the whole system um, uh, has a problem. Um, yeah, and it's not scalable because we ended up having an office with 150 people and uh, yeah, and just uh, too chaotic. Um, and um, so we had to basically um, resolve this uh, selling parts uh, um, into joint ventures, closing down other parts. And um, so then I thought it's, it's much better for me to um, invest in startups uh, that um, independently. And but in those startups where I can really uh, add value, yeah, but not with 
a structure, but uh, with my network and with my knowledge and where I can step in, take a, a position like uh, a board member, but really um, make a difference. That's my, that's then my, my thesis <laughs> at the end. Um, and uh, in the meantime, I started uh, working as a mentor in, uh, in IE Business School, which is a very uh, famous business school here in Europe always in the top five in the world for the international MBA. Um, and they, they built up uh, something that is called Venture Lab. It's something they have seen in, um, in the MIT, Harvard, Stanford. So an incubator on campus, which um, is not only for those people um, for, for, the, for the MBA, but also for alumni and the whole ecosystem. And uh, some really good people to uh, to help uh, incubating, uh, accelerating their, their small business ideas. And so I, I, I had the chance to be part of the beginning of that. And that was really uh, yeah, helpful for me to learn again from those people, because when you're mentoring, uh, you probably do uh, have the same experience. Uh, when you're mentoring, you learn as a mentor almost as much or more than the mentee if you do it right and if you <laughs> uh, select the right people. So there I had uh, very, very bright people from all over the world uh, with great enthusiasm. And uh, I, I, I always learn a lot from them. So there was, I start building, let's say, deal flow uh, over the, uh, the whole ecosystem of this university, uh, which is, mm, let's say, the top, one of the two top universities in, in, in Spain. Um, and um, on the other side, I started uh, working with uh, accelerators. Uh, one of the accelerators I, I really like is uh, an edge tech accelerator called SecLab. Uh, it belongs to uh, yeah, a big company of private schools and universities. And they are very uh, open to innovation and they have their own uh, accelerator for ed tech startups. That's a lot of fun and I'm mentoring there. So I, th that's a little bit where my deal flow comes from. Um, and um, <clears throat> I'm also a member of the Entrepreneurs Organization. Uh, I don't know if uh, it's probably it's more famous in the States and uh, in Canada than, than, than here in, in Spain, but it's, a, it's an American organization, 60,000 member, 16,000 members and all entrepreneurs uh, owners of a company that at least uh, has, a has a turnover of, uh, uh, of $1 million. Um, that's the threshold. And uh, so mid-sized entrepreneurs, uh, startup entrepreneurs, uh, a great group of people. And um, together with them, we organize every year uh, the Global Student Entrepreneurs Award. That's uh, also great fun where uh, we have people from 54 countries um, competing. Uh, they are all students that build up their own company, very bright people. And um, <clears throat> so there are also, I, I find a lot of uh, talent uh, for either for investment or for, uh, for uh, startups that I know uh, that ask, for, for, uh, ask me to connect for talent. So that's more or less the work I do uh, <clears throat> pro bono. Um, but my, 
main activity nowadays is I invest in, uh, let's say, up to three, four startups a year. But I really step in and uh, even in sometimes I'm operational. So, for example, uh, at, at this time, uh, at, at this moment, I'm working for one startup opening uh, a new market, uh, the British market, and uh, we want to go to Germany as well. So there I'm, you could say like a managing director, what I did here in Spain, I, uh, I, I do the uh, first strategic partnerships and um, I set up the whole thing um, and open up the market. But this is uh, the most operational I do. Typically I'm a board member and I'm, um, I'm there. Uh, uh, basically on the side of the, and very much aligned with the founder. Yeah. When the founder, they, they call me most of the times when, when they're uh, in crisis, when something happens, when they're afraid, when they don't know what to do, uh, when they don't know even how to uh, negotiate with their own partners. So uh, that's, I think, the most valuable part. And the other part is, yeah, connecting, uh, people connecting uh, businesses and um, and helping with fundraising, helping with um, yeah. I mean, a startup uh, founder is typically overwhelmed with everything. He has uh, uh, no idea most of the things. He's never done what uh, what he has to do. Uh, the only thing he has is a great attitude and um, and the capacity to listen. And, uh, but also to, uh, to go uh, straight uh, uh, towards their, their goals. But typically, they don't, there's a lot of things they don't know about. <clears throat> and so it's, uh, I try to, um, to help them there, but always very much aligned. So I, uh, I take a share. Uh, typically, um, uh, I enter startups where I can take some, some reasonable share, maybe. Uh, five to 10%. Right? So it has to be a startup with a low valuation or where they really accept my added value. And they say, I want you on board. And uh, it's not so much uh, the money I, I put in, but basically I, I, I look for startups where they value my money double. Okay. Just at the beginning where they say, okay, uh, it's, I, I, you get shares as if you would uh, invest double the money. That's more or less my, my rule. I also try to get always somebody else on board, so that I, um, yeah, that I have some, uh, yeah, some some feedback from somebody I, I really trust on, this so I don't go crazy investing in startups just for uh, because I I, I I love the idea, and um, yeah, and on the other side, there's no, I'm quite agnostic uh, regarding the topic. It has to be something that uh, is interesting for me where I can learn. Okay, so for example, this year I entered a startup that is working with artificial intelligence and crypto uh, currencies, both topics um, I, I, I really like and I, I really find interesting. I don't know too much about. So I'm learning a lot on, on the crypto markets and, and also on blockchain in general, how this uh, will change our lives in the next years. And uh, artificial intelligence, the same thing. So um, this is basically my main driver. Um, uh, but uh, it could be uh, any kind of topic. Typically, the startup has to be 
uh, with low, with relatively low valuation. I can't enter a startup that is already, uh, yeah, valuing itself uh, five million euros or dollars or whatever. Um, that's not uh, my field. My my I, my expertise is from seed, from friends and family financing to seed, more or less. Yeah, I typically want to see that they have some financing, that they were able to raise something, uh, even though it's uh, among their friends and family. Uh, and I take them to seed uh, and beyond, depending on uh, on what uh, uh, yeah well, what's the plan. Uh, because seed financing is typically then when you need metrics and you need uh, traction, and so that's the most difficult part. Uh, your approach is um, uh, very well received, certainly in today's world where a lot of startups go in and they don't get the mentorship coaching that they need in order to survive and to be the best. So I do really appreciate seeing and hearing how you attack uh, this early stage. And what is really interesting about this is that uh, I'm going to call it deep investing because uh, you're going in and like you said, you're not only just putting in capital, you're also putting in a lot of time and you're working in the, the ranks of that business to help them move quicker. And uh, I think that's um, very admirable and it, and it works uh, quite well. And those are the types of companies that we want to invest in because we want to see that this uh, they have a strong management team, that they have strong founders, that they have a strong uh, structure on where they're going, even if it is just a friends and family around. All of those things make a big difference in supporting the growth of that company. Um, we're going to kind of um, transition a little bit based off of kind of where we are now. And, and I wanted to um, ask one kind of quick question before we dive into the, the quick questions. And, you know, we've learned a lot. You've got uh, a, a lot of experience and a lot of things you've done, which is uh, phenomenal. Um, is there, if I was to kind of dive into um, a case study, if you were to talk to a case study that you could share about a founder or um, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and you've talked, you've given it a couple of businesses that you're working with now. And we're kind of looking for that one, you know, story that just says, you know, this is what it takes. And uh, I look at this founder 10 years ago and, you know, we didn't think they were going to make it and, and she just blew it out of the water. And today they're a massive uh, firm. Is there a kind of a story that really resonates with you that you can share? Uh, okay, yeah. And uh, one of the strongest founders I'm working uh, with right now is um, uh, he's building up a company that is uh, also around the, the lottery field, but he um, he wants to do, or he, he does uh, house raffles, which is um, something that is quite common in, uh, in Australia, I think, and, and also in Canada, uh, always with, uh, uh, with, with good causes. Uh, basically uh, partnering up with charities and it's like a, a, a fundraising tool for charities. <clears throat> and um, so he is a, he's a guy, he comes from uh, marketing, performance marketing, lead generation, uh, very, very uh, systematic uh, way to work. And he is um, <clears throat> for me uh, kind of the ideal founder because he's, very, very, he has a very strong attitude. He knows exactly where he wants to go and he knows exactly where he wants to be, but he's flexible in terms of the, the path to get there. Okay. That's very important because uh, you typically we all learn this American dream thing that uh, you only have to believe in 
uh, yeah, in your dream, and and don't let anybody uh, tell you that uh, you're a fool. Um, and I think that's that's not correct because you shouldn't fall in love with your dream. You should fall in love with basically, or, or with the idea. You should fall in love with uh, what where you want to be in uh, in five years. Uh, but the idea uh, you have right now should be. Uh, yeah, that should be kind of flexible because you don't even know if it works out or not. What you what you have to be very strict upon is uh, uh, going forward and forward to get to the point where you want to be in five years. Right? And he has this quite clear. For example, at the beginning, I mean, he, he came up to me with an idea and I'm quite familiar with the regulatory, regulatory uh, space here in Europe, uh, when it comes to those things, where because lottery and even if it's charity, it's it's all very regulated. Um, <clears throat> and he came up with an idea, and I told him, I don't think this works. This is not legal what you're doing. And uh, I know it because I I, uh, I even took part in the regulatory process here in, in Spain, uh, being in a lobby group for uh, yeah to help. Polit uh, politician, the politics to um, to to design the law, uh, <clears throat> and um, but he was he said no I bet and somehow I get this going yeah um, because other people would say yeah there's somebody who has a very a good reputation is great knowledge in that sphere and says this what what what, what you're coming up with now uh, is is not it's just not legal. Yeah, you can't do this. Um, I didn't tell him that uh, he should uh, he should leave it. I, I said, yeah, uh, if you find a way, that's great. Uh, and I think uh, also that I'm uh, a perfect match for you because uh, you don't have any idea of this space. I do. Yeah. So um, I I stepped into the advantage, knowing that what he was planning to do right now is not going to happen. Yeah, but I was curious how he gets away with it, and um, so uh, we've been together for two years now, and he. Uh, it turned out that uh, okay, uh, in Spain this is very difficult. It's not a scalable business. Uh, we have to turn it into a B two B and pivot completely with the business model, and the real market for us is the UK. Yeah, and. Uh, so now we're in the UK, and that's a great market. Uh, we have a, a great uh, regulatory space for us there. And um, uh, so, but of course, uh, along the way, there were so many obstacles. And uh, we got, yeah, several times uh, we got uh, the messages from, from the, the regulatory body. Uh, and here in Spain, they're very uh, unpleasant, you know. Uh, they don't talk much and they say you have to close down your business and stuff like that. So I had a lot of calls from him, but he uh, like, like, like being really, <laughs> really afraid. And, um, but um, he is this person that he listens, but he still has his own strong opinion on things, but he he's able to listen. Um, and um yeah, and has a lot of energy and knows exactly that he would never doubt that in three, four years' time, he, has, he, he will build up a great company. 
uh, uh, that's what the world is all about. It's sticking to your guns, understanding that there's an outcome, finding the right people to get behind you, like yourself, and then having that support mechanism. So when things get tough, he's reaching out to you and, and having that debate, that discussion. But at the end of the day, he's driving forward. And that's what entrepreneurship's all about. It's it's knowing where you want to go. And yeah, you might take 12 paths to get there, but you're going to fight it and, and do whatever you can. And in your case, but I love about this story too, is it's not just about uh, building a company in one jurisdiction or one country, but you guys realized that the roadblocks were just too big in the country you're in, in Spain, and you actually switched countries. And, and that's brilliant because a lot of founders will just fail and walk away uh, when they don't realize that there's 197 countries. There is a country out there that will accept and need the solution that you spent three or four years building, um, and it's not worth drop, dropping it and walking away. And, and sometimes it's the fear of, well, I can't operate in another country. Um, you know, being European Union and whatnot in the area, that's a lot of uh, value, but there's still risk everywhere. And, and I do appreciate the fact that you guys took that moment to, to figure out, hey, maybe we can work in this area, and, and it's taking off and getting into uh, a space that's supporting you. Okay, so we're going to jump into the, the rapid-fire questions. So. The way this works is you'll pick one or the other, and this is coming from the investor standpoint, uh, from yourself on when you're looking at companies. Uh, so, ready to roll? Okay. Go ahead. Awesome. Okay, so, founder or co-founder? Co-founder. Unicorn or four-year 10x exit? It depends a little bit on my liquidity, but I would say uh, four-year 10x exit. Love it. Tech or consumer product goods? Definitely technology. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, or Web 3.0? Uh, NFTs. AI or blockchain? That's a difficult one. <laughs> At the moment, I would say blockchain. I really believe okay. that, that this will change the world like nothing else. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, First-time founder or a second or third-time founder? Second and third-time founder. First money in or Series A? Um, series A would be great. <laughs> okay. Uh, angel or VC? Angel. Board seat or observer? Board seat. Uh, lead or follow? That's a difficult one. I've had uh, I've had experiences with both. Uh, that's difficult to, to. It's not binary. But I would say that follow. Okay. Follow and invent and, and innovate. Perfect. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Okay. Favorite part of investing? Um, spend good times with the founder. Okay. Number of companies invested per year? Uh, three to four. Okay. Per any preferred terms when investing? Um, Terms on investing, yeah. Equity, typically with, uh, with an equity kicker on uh, objectives that I 
uh, of added value that I can bring in. Uh, verticals of focus? No verticals. Uh, my focus is on companies that generate cash quite soon. Okay. And then two qualities a startup needs in order to stand out. Uh, definitely the team. Definitely. And of course, that everybody says that, but uh, that's probably the, uh, the main quality of a good business angel is to, to, to distinguish between uh, the winning team and, uh, uh, and the others. Um, and the other is what I just said. Uh, it should be a business model that is able to generate cash quite soon because that's the only way uh, you can uh, survive in, in tough times. Um, and I don't like startups that have to uh, raise money every three months. All right, we're going to jump into the personal side. Book or movie? Uh, book. Superman or Batman? <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I understand this question right now, but... Uh, which, which one would you choose? Either the book or the movie, Superman or Batman? Which one do you reference yourself to be closer to? Ah, in the book. Well, just in general. So the questions are more personal. So which one do you reference yourself? So would you rather side with Batman or would you rather side with Superman? Superman. Okay. Restaurant or picnic? Restaurant. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Five minutes with Bezos. Climb a mountain or go to the beach? Climb a mountain. Bike or run? Bike. Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? <laughs> chicken. Trophy or money? What was the first thing? Trophy or money? Trophy. Beer or wine? Beer. Camera or mobile phone? Mobile phone. King or rich? <laughs> uh, rich. I don't want to concert? be king now these days. <laughs> it's a tough time. Concert? Concert or amusement park? Concert. Fortune cookie, birthday cake? Fortune cookie. TED talk or book reading? Difficult one. It's not, it's complimentary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, TED talk, I would say. Okay. Most famous person that pops in your mind right now? Uh, Elon Musk. Perfect. Uh, First brand that pops in your mind? Uh, Apple. Just for numbers, I will say that 60% of people that I've interviewed, interviewed say Apple. Uh, favorite <laughs> movie and character that you would play in that movie? <laughs> okay. Uh, that's no, not, not so easy to, to answer. It, it has to be a favorite movie, I know. I really like uh, uh, what's the name of it? Kevin Spacey, American. Yep. It's not American. American, Pie. American Beauty. American, American Beauty. Beauty. Yeah, it's not really a hero, but uh, I really like this movie. Ah, it's but, a good movie. 
problem. And, and I would replace Kevin Spacey because uh, he's kind of un, unpopular now. I didn't realize that, but it, it is a good movie. And now that uh, with your reference, I'm going to watch that one again. Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite book? Uh, favorite book? I really like Hermann Hesse. I don't know if you, if you know this guy, he's a German author. Um, and one of his books is called Citata. It's nope, a, but I'm going to look it up. It's kind of a, yeah. Parable, I don't know how you translate this. It's not a fairy tale, it's uh, like a, it's like a wise story. It's a very wise man. Perfect. Do you have a favorite sports team? What was that, sorry? Do you have a favorite sports team? Yes, uh, it's a, a second division football uh, soccer team in, uh, in Germany called St. Pauli. Um, they are always underdogs, but uh, they're, um, they're, you know, here in, I mean, I guess in, in America, it's the same thing. You always have two or three teams in one city and one is the, the leading one and the other is the underdog. <clears throat> so um, this is my favorite team. Perfect. Well, we're almost there. We got two last questions. What's the meaning of success to you? Uh, the kind of success that really makes you proud and happy. Last question. What's your superpower? Um, I'm a, a never-ending optimist. That's Love a superpower, it. and at the same time, <laughs> it's like a weakness. But uh, I think it's brilliant, and optimism is uh, the world needs more people with optimism. It's what helps the things go around and keep growing and building. Um, but Sasha, thank you very much for all your time today. Uh, you were awesome. You shared a lot of great uh, information, lots of stories, as I always do. I take a million notes, uh, but brilliant. Uh, I loved it. So much great stuff in there. Uh, I think it's very helpful. And of course, we are huge fans and support uh, all the help you're doing to give back and, and help the uh, early stage companies make their way through the ecosystem. And the way we like to end our show is that we want to give you the last word so anything that you want to say to investors or to startups, um, I turn it over to you. But again, thank you very much for all your time today. <laughs> thank you very much to you as well. Uh, and for being here, um, what, I, what I would say, um, investing in startups is not a very profitable business as an angel investor. Okay, that's the first thing. Uh, so become a business angel uh, only if you really enjoy uh, working with startups, learning from them, um, seeing innovation, uh, being very close to innovation, and uh, somehow uh, create some profitability around that because uh, angel investment itself is not profitable. Yeah? It's only profitable if you see all the, the value it, 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 it gives back to you. Yeah? The big money is made uh, where the VC funds are investing in series A and B when all the risk <laughs> is taken out, okay? So you have to enjoy risk. You have to enjoy uh, pure innovation. Uh, and uh, you have to enjoy, yeah, also being on the ground uh, where innovation happens. Sasha, brilliant. Thank you very much again for all your time today. Um, we'll certainly be uh, following your journey and uh, 
keep up all that great work you're doing with the startups. Thank you again for your time. Okay. Bye-bye. See you soon. Okay. That was fantastic. I think Sasha just brought it all to the table today. There was so much great material there. And, and just to touch on a couple of things, I, I love just the way he's been working on giving back. Um, I think the the approach that he does by investing and, and jumping into the company and working with them at the same time, I think that's uh, pretty valuable in, in getting these companies off the ground. Um, obviously, the the whole piece about being complimentary to the founder and when he started his companies and making sure that you had somebody to work with that was complimentary, that's huge. Um, knowing when to get out of a long sales cycle and figuring out how to shorten that down, I think that was pretty valuable as well. And uh, again, a lot of great things that he, that he talked about and uh, from team and cash first and making sure that you do have a leg to stand on when you start your business. So again, great listen. So uh, thank you, Sasha, again for uh, uh, sharing. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be looking forward to staying in touch again in the future. And in the meantime, I want to thank everybody uh, for joining us today. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or Stitcher. You can also check us out at supportersfund.com. Or for any startup events, visit opn.ninja. Have a great day. Thank you.